Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast with Dave Roberts. A unique skill all humans have is the ability to share information across generations. And the Teaching Journeys podcast does just that. It creates learning opportunities with each amazing guest with a goal that each episode makes a positive impact on people worldwide. Before we hear from today's guest, please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Dave Roberts. And today, it's my pleasure to have back on the podcast, Reverend Patty Farino, my sister from another mother, my soul sister, um, the person who was responsible for the spiritually transformative experience in Long Island in 2010 that helped me find peace after following my daughter Janine's transition in 2003. And Patty helped launch the first episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. We did that on March 31st. And those numbers are significant. The 3-1 for for me is is the month of day that Janine had transitioned. And we wanted to launch the first episode around those dates with that synchronicity and significance in mind. And from time to time, Patty and I talked about having her come back just to do a check-in and also just to give our, our listeners kind of a glimpse into a well, one of our marathon conversations was like many times we'd get on the phone, um, talk for about three or four hours. We're not going to have a three or four hour podcast, obviously, but we would talk for three or four hours about all things spiritual, all things psychological, how the two worlds merge together. And our conversations and Patty's guidance allowed my scientific curiosity to kind of kick in, into play and just to explore how psychology and spirituality could continue to work together. So we're just going to have a conversation about just whatever comes up. And this way, the listeners, and we'll get an idea of, of what those evenings of were like in, with our discussion. So, Patty, uh, welcome back to, uh, to the podcast, and I'm grateful to have you back. And we're coming up on um, the 13-year anniversary of our, our meeting. Yes, we are. That's right. 11, 11, 10. And we're now 11, 11, 2, 3. <laughs> you realize that's three ones, 11 and one. Okay. And then it's one, two, three for the other part of it. If you put it all together, three ones and one, two, three. Uh, you know how I always look at numbers. You do too. You know, you just look at how the numbers come around you. And yeah, for me, a lot of times Janine will manifest her presence through numerology. I'll see a combination of one and threes, or actually the number eight, which is you we we all know is the symbol of infinity, and that is a significant number in the eternal relationship that I share with her now. And those those numbers always remind me of her presence. Yes, and, and that's what we you know uh, we talked about all the time. And and I always try to remind people if you think about it ancient languages and when you start going um, into mathematics really says so much if you really look beyond the numbers and Native Americans and, and or ancient indigenous cultures saw it through numbers they saw the eight and you turn sideways it's infinity do you think that's some coincidence 
Or do you think that that figure has meaning? I just find all of that interesting. I, I don't say that it's my religion that I live everything by it, but I keep my eye out. And, you know, like when I'm driving, if I see certain numbers on a license plate and something runs through me, I'm like, hmm, you know, let me take a look at that. What, what does that feel like? Who does that feel like? Does it feel like I'm supposed to look at something within myself? Or am I supposed to, you know, do something for somebody else? Yeah. It's about walking with an awareness, I think. And that's what I think you started to do, David, was start to walk with an awareness instead of what do I have to do next? Yeah, and I think once I committed to walking in awareness, once you, you showed me how the world can open up by doing that, I just became aware of everything that was happening around me. And it was, you know, basically through, through numbers, through, I would get, as you know, the, uh, you know, heart shapes and coffee cups. I would hear, <laughs> hear, hear songs on the radio that reminded me of Janine, or it could have reminded me of another one of my ancestors as well, too. And that's the other thing is once I became aware that I could transform the relationship with Janine, I also became aware that I could transform the relationship with my other deceased ancestors, particularly my mother, my father, my Aunt Rose, my grandmother, all of those, that awareness, the awareness that I learned from opening myself up to a multidimensional universe through my daughter's eyes, generalized to other, other ancestors that I, that had predeceased Janine. And it just allowed me to do, I I guess healing, for lack of a better term, on an ongoing basis, um, you know, with, with a lot of my ancestral roots. So it huh? just opened but, up a whole new world for me. But can I tell you, I think a simpler way to put it is you actually figured out what you believe. Mm -hmm. The big question, what do you believe? I asked you, what do you believe? Nobody ever, you, you said to me, nobody's ever asked me that before. And, and it's not a question that is out for discussion. And I think it should be because, you know, one of the, the things that you um, talked about in the book or discussed in the book was when you look at your core beliefs, how does your journey, your walk in life define who you are? And what is it you want to experience? And you realize that, you know what? I remember you saying, you know, Pat, I realized something. There's more that I want to experience. And then you wrote that really incredible blog. Remember? Yes, that was the one where I, I mentioned to the universe that I was not in a hurry to, for eternity to occur because I was having so much fun and having so, just so much, you know, having so much awareness open up by just um, learning what I was learning and being able to communicate that. And it wasn't that I was afraid of dying. I know eventually that I'm going to transition into a new experience, or as I tell my students, I'll be dancing in another dimension somewhere. <laughs> yes. uh. But the big question, Dave, can you dance in this dimension? Uh, no. If if I tried to dance in this dimension, there wouldn't be enough therapy for anybody to see that. So. <laughs> but, but isn't that really the big question? Are you dancing in this dimension or are you waiting to get to the other side to dance? Why can't you do it on both sides? I, I think we could do it on both sides. And it depends on, on what your attitude towards life is in this dimension. I mean, do we choose to be engaged in life? Do we choose 
to take a look at the challenges that we've experienced and transcend them, or do we make a choice to, to wallow in the muck of our, of our tragedy? And we can do that. We can make a decision to wallow in the muck of any tragedy. We can choose not to move forward. And I said this, I think, in a blog that I did a while back that, you know, catastrophic loss can take away much, but it cannot take away our free will. So we can have the free will to decide what we want to do with any challenge that has manifested for us. And that includes doing nothing with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, once I met you and once we began to have these conversations, life opened up on so many levels for me that I, I wanted to continue to engage in this dimension for as long as God, the Creator, Great Spirit, the universe would let me do this. And I stated my intention over and over. I'm not done yet. I don't want to go yet. I still have more to learn. I still have more to teach. And I, I want my soul to get this life's, life's worth now before I go dancing in another dimension. I have no control over when that's going to happen, Pat, because yeah. for all intents and purposes, I, my soul may have contracted for the number of years I, I was going to live in this incarnation prior to getting here. But I, I want to do this for as long as I'm able to and as long as the universe lets me because I'm, I'm just I'm discovering so much about myself to, and I'm excited to communicate that not only with my students, but with anybody who will choose to listen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Come on in. Let's talk. Yep. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, see, that's engaging in life again, not just doing it blindly. Um, the, the, you know the term I've been using for years and years and years. You know, you have to look at it is that it's your book, Dave Roberts. It's your book. You're the author and you're the main character. So as the author, what would you like to see manifest for that main character? Do you want to see somebody to continue to walk in pain and sorrow and grief and trying to, you know, find your identity as somebody that is missing your daughter? And, and that's okay. If somebody wants to walk that path for one year, two years, three years, 10 years, it's okay. But they have to realize that's who they're going to surround themselves with. Because people that are out there to continue on a different journey aren't going to stay in that circle. And that's something that I think you saw and I've watched you evolve through. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I tell individuals, you know, in, in my classes or otherwise, that the time it takes for an individual to get from the raw pain of grief to the acceptance that they are living in the world that is permanently changed without the physical presence of their loved ones, it's going to take as long as it's going to take, as long as there is forward movement. It doesn't, doesn't matter how fast. It doesn't matter how slow. It's you. Know, you could take the turtles, the turtles' pace, ADO, and just just slow as you go. But as long as there's movement towards that goal, that's all that matters. Time is relative. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. No, but I, I'm even looking back to when I first met you and all the work that you were doing with the compassionate friends within your own chapter, and um, on the national level, and all of the people that you met there. You were, you know, without you realizing it, you were doing self-examination. The different people that you met along the way, um, brilliant people with all the different programs that you, they had and the programs that you designed were all ways of self-discovery and looking at it on that spiritual path. You just didn't realize it at the time. 
You're right. And I mean, every person that came into my life prior to your presence mm-hmm. served a purpose and they planted seeds for me to get to that moment with you where I would be open to different perspectives and excited about different perspectives that could not only expand my belief system and see the world differently, but help me find peace with Janine's transition. And Mm -hmm. every person had a specific purpose along the way, and they still do. It's interesting. It's so interesting looking at it in the whole picture. Mm -hmm. 13 years worth of transitions. Well, and it's also crow medicine. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, it's honoring the past as your teacher, the present as your creation, and the future as your inspiration. And that's right. <laughs> and essentially, everything I do now is crow medicine. I'm always looking at the past and not to wallow in it, not to, to look at, at the past with regret by what the past has to continue to teach me about my present. As I evolve, the teachings that I take from my past are going to evolve. And it and I think as one of our our favorite philosophers, uh, Billy Fingers has said, is all roads ultimately lead to the same place, and that's the present moment. And that's right. one of my favorite and I think most profound teachings from the afterlife of Billy Fingers is that one in particular. Yeah, I remember when you first talked about that book coming out. How um, I, um, Susan Roback, am I right? Correct, yeah. Susan Roback had recommended it to you. And you were saying, you know, she, she recommended this book, The Afterlife of Billy Fingers. I'm not sure, you know. And, and you started reading it. And you were like, Pat, oh, my God. It was like, um, how do I put it? You were foaming at the mouth. Pat, this book. Oh, my God. There's so much in this. Oh, my God. The people that I've worked with, all the shows, I remember you getting so excited. And we kind of giggling over the wisdom that the character Billy was sharing with his sister that can help so many families in pain after um, specific addiction loss could read that book and see that it's okay. We're all going to the same place. You know, we are. And I think Billy, Billy needed to find his truth in this incarnation of himself, walking the path of somebody with, with an alcohol use issue. Um, he, his soul evolved, his soul you know, garnered the higher teachings, I believe, from that past. But the other thing that book did is destigmatized addiction. I mean, yes. if you take a look at the fact of somebody who walked the path of, of, of an individual whose behavior or whose addiction was stigmatized and looked down upon and can ascend to, to another dimension as, as a wise spirit, tells you that basically, and as he's, he mentioned in his book, that sometimes life is illusion posing as truth. We don't know the true reasons behind anybody's actions. Um, yeah. we see the human experience side, but we're not, we're too grounded in our own human experience to see the sacred side of things. And that book taught me in many ways to look beyond the cover and take a look at, take a look at what's really going on. Take a look at a sacred explanation as well as a human explanation for what's going yeah. on with an individual. That's right. That's right. You know, it's, um, funny. I, the other day, as you know, I continually um, pick um, cards. You know, not every day. It's whenever I'm inspired to. I let that inspiration come. And I sit down and I uh, go to these two uh, books by Jamie Sams. Um, One is Jamie Sams and David Carson. And um, I picked this one card um, the day before yesterday. And the card is called The Great Mystery, which is the original source. 
and it says um, in the application of it, she tells a story um, that's going to lead you up to understanding um, her understanding of the Native Americans perspective of uh, what the great source, the original source of great mystery is. And the teaching says we are free willed co-creators who become the source of all we choose to experience in life. The buck stops here. We are totally responsible for all our joys and all our pain. And then it goes on to say, in receiving this card, you're being reminded to give gratitude for all of your lessons. It changes any pain to gain. And I just, it's still sitting up because I'm, I'm in my sacred room as I'm talking to you. And I, I have a sacred space that has um, all kinds of energy, thought process, it guides me to think about myself as a spiritual being having a human experience. I have different words up in this room. And in fact, David, you know this room because you recently stayed with me. And do you remember what it, um, is in the frame above the uh, mirror in this room? Do you remember the saying? Yeah, I, it's, I think what you just stated. It was... Uh... That, that's on the mirror, okay? okay? We are spiritual beings having a human experience. But above it, it says, and this is so important to everybody, people that you come in contact and I come in contact with, it's know that what you do in the moment of your greatest trial can be your greatest triumph. Think about that. In the place of you, in that existence, in that trial of you losing or having to watch your daughter transition before you. I like, you always use that term, she transitioned, and I like that term. You, you outlived your daughter. That's a great trial. Yeah. Oh my God, losing your child. It, it's such a, a horrific experience, but you turned it into your greatest triumph because you now have a better understanding of yourself as a spiritual being having a human experience. Well, and the other thing, Pat, the, the term transition, I believe came out of our conversations. And I think one of the most profound things that you shared with me, among many profound things that we have talked about and you've shared with me over the last 13 years, was, yeah, do you remember I would always, you know, kind of replay the last day of my my daughter's physical oh, yeah. <laughs> life with so much pain. Oh my God. And so much angst and so much what ifs. What if I did this? What if I did this? And I was essentially holding myself hostage to my own emotions and, and also my shame and my guilt were holding me hostage. But I, I remember saying to you that I, you know, I, I was the last person to watch her take her last breaths and she transitioned at 1230 in the morning on March 1st, and you looked at me and you said, well, what if you thought, what if you were the first person to usher her into her new experience? And that just simple shift in, that you, that shift you gave me in perspective allowed me to look at the last moments of her, her trend, her death or physical death differently. Um, and it, and I, I look at that, her day of, of transition now is not so much that, you know, not so much being one of pain anymore, but one of the fact that 
you know, I had the privilege and the opportunity to transition her into eternal life. Now, I realize that for many parents and other individuals whose loved ones, you know, have died of sudden death, didn't have the opportunity to do that. But for individuals like myself who have, you know, had the pain of watching a loved one transition due to a terminal illness, if other individuals find themselves in that situation, maybe they'll remember that part of our conversation and look at that the moment of their loved one's death differently. Mm -hmm. But there's also the point of view that I've had to um, look at or be witness to, because, um, and this is a big deal, 13 years later, I'm now um, admitting out loud that I know I've got a gift um, for clarity, for a broad awareness um, that the entertainment industry uses lots of different words for it, but and I don't really like any of those labels because all I wanted to do was walk a sacred path like a, a true minister should, answering to the creator and not to society and different religions and different perspectives, just helping people to figure out their own perspective. So with all of that, you know, looking at it, I, I know I can feel things and I hear things from the other side. Um, and I'm always looking for wisdom. And when I was the coordinator or the volunteer or whatever you want to call it for the Angel of Hope, I met with parents. And on occasion, there were some tragedies where their child was in a space all alone. And, and, and I heard a lot of different spaces and stories um, which were very hard. And I would ask, you know, like I, I, I looked into it. So what happens when they're all alone? There was nobody in the room that they had to do it in a certain pace or it, it could, in some cases, the spirit, the light, the energy that was the force that kept the body going left in a split second and then looked back and realized what was happening. In other cases, um, there was a child that had, had realized that they left their body and was investigating around the house and around the outside of the house and all of a sudden realized that she had, the spirit had left the body for so long that the, the form stopped working, the heart stopped working, the lungs stopped breathing air. And it was too late. I mean, that whole concept came into my mind. I wasn't looking for it. I'm sitting there with a parent and I'm hearing in my head this perspective. And I shared it with the parent who came back and said, you know, that would make sense because, and, and shared different things. There have been so many understandings and wisdoms brought to me because of my awareness. And there's no one way that the spirit, the energy, the, the loving energy force that's within each bodily form or even energy forces of anger, they separate from the human form at different times in different places because of different situations. Sometimes they choose to be alone. 
because there would be less drama. Sometimes they choose a certain date. Other times, it's just a destiny. There's no one way that every story of the human life will end. And if you look at it and say, wow, I knew that when that child from the beginnings and I was there watching till the end and I want to continue a relationship, it's healing. And, and it's not for everybody, though, as I'm sure you've seen. No, it isn't. And people are going to embrace the path of awareness through through different different means and, and some may choose not to and, and whatever wherever they're at in their life, you know, we need to be able to respect that. Because where we necessarily are aren't gonna be where anybody else necessarily is. And we have to respect that they will get there in their own time. Or perhaps they won't get there in their own time, but we have to respect their decision to script their reality and co create their their story. Re their story and co-create mm -hmm. their story any way they see it in conjunction with, with the universe and in, in, in concert with the universe. So um, it's just a matter of, of understanding that, respecting it, and not judging it. Being present and being witness. Yep. We just have to be witness. If that's what the human experience is, you know, all of us coming down to be witness and support and try to protect as best as we can, each other from harm. If, if we started to do that on the basic level, that would trickle upward. And we would choose leaders that have that same insight and that same caring, that have um, ideas on how we can make this a better world. Because we always say, you know, we wish you peace. You know, if I've been saying that for many years, then you started, you know, assigning your letters with that, wishing you peace. When I say that at the end of any note, I really do mean that. Because we're not always going to have happiness and joy or pain. It's a matter of finding peace. And, you know, first, I guess you have to have hope. You have to find a way to have hope. And then you can start to find the journey toward peace. And the rest of it will become clear when you find peace with any life experience. And that even goes for traumas. Look at the traumas that you looked at, Dave, your father. That was a trauma that's been in your, like you carried from when you were five until you were in your 50s, correct? Yeah, my late 50s. Um, there was a process from my late 50s, probably till I was 60, Pat. I mean, it was an ongoing process of looking at, you know, my father's family history and trying to understand the decisions he made to leave in context of that. And one of the things I've, I've learned, and I've shared this with my students, is that our history is inextricably woven into our DNA. And unless there's some conscious effort to change history or introduce some different rules that will change our life path, that history is going to follow us. And, you know, we talk about intergenerational trauma. That's, you know, intergenerational trauma a lot is about bringing our histories forward into the present and having our histories impact the decisions that we make in the present. My father 
was not capable, based on his history, of, of, of staying in a traditional marriage. He left. It was not so much an act of abandonment. It was an act of love. He, he wanted to see my mother and I grow without him. And I think a part of him felt that if he left, we would forget him and, and um, you know, we would forget, you know, the damage he did. But, you know, I, I, I've learned, I've grown to love my father now as much as the mother who raised me for, you know, from, from my, all of my life. And um, it just proves that healing can occur or understanding or awareness or closure to any traumatic event can occur at any time, even after that person has transitioned. And my father transitioned when I was 14. So you're talking about finding peace with this, you know, 46 years after he transitioned. Yeah, but, but what's interesting, David, is he left at five. You never saw him again. You only found some uh, pictures that was a, that you uncovered around the house, yeah. right? They, they weren't left out. You had to uncover them. Mm-hmm. And then your mom told you, that she had found out. How old were you when you found out that he passed? Were you fourteen at that time? No, and were I'm, you older, or you found out that he passed when you were fourteen? I, yeah, I gotta, I gotta qual- clarify that. I was that. Yeah, I, I, I was. Yeah, that's I, why I pointed it out. Yeah, I, I was fourteen when I found out he he had passed, but I was actually eleven years old when he did. So, it uh, basically. You look at it. There was no chance for. I mean, it was years later, and it uncovered. Um, it was like life was already moving on and you were told that there was no chance of you connecting to the man who was your DNA father. Mm -hmm. But during one of our conversations, he made himself known to us and you relayed a message from him that he felt uh, terrible and he felt regret that he had left and did not see me grow up. And at that point, I was beginning to get an understanding of the, the the reasons he left. And during that moment, I just said to him, I said, Dad, look, I forgive you. I understood why you had to leave. There's, I have no, no concern or grudge. I'm not holding a grudge over that. I understand why you had to leave, and I, and I, I know you did it out of love. And I think from there, they might have, might have allowed his spirit to continue to evolve. Because one of the things that you had mentioned to me was that, you know, in the spiritual world, our, our, our deceased loved ones or our transitioned loved ones will have regrets over things they didn't do in the human experience. And he had a lot of regret over leaving me before and my mother before he had a chance to see me grow up. But I understood, I understood why, and it was his history that helped me understand his, his actions at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. It, 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 it's interesting. You found peace with his passing. Then the rest of the clarity came. And, and once that happened, you know, just... I, then the phone started to ring or emails started to come in from cousins, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long after? Do you, can, can you recall how long after it was from when uh, you started to find clarity and then all of a sudden out of nowhere... You get an email from your um, second cousin, I believe. Yeah, it was my, my second cousin, Joanne, who had found me based on an article that I had written about my father. And she reached out to me. And I'd have to look at the exact date. I think it was probably 
probably around that time that we started having that conversation or maybe before then. Um, and she reached out to me, shared information about my father's family that no one else could have known about. Um, I never shared that information in a blog or publicly, you know, online or anything. And we connected. She sent me basically the entire family tree. And what I found out was that there was um, a history of, of uh, mental health concerns, in, you know, infidelity, um, alcoholism. I'm not saying this negatively. Um, it's just this is what... It's a human behavior. Yeah, this is what my father's history was. And also... That's the human behavior that he saw all around him. And back in the time that he was growing up, there wasn't TikTok and there wasn't yeah. um, Facebook and there wasn't the computer that you could see other behaviors modeled around you. You only saw the immediate family that was around you, the community that was around you. Well, and here's a couple of other things, too, with that. I, I felt drawn to working in the field of alcoholism. And if, in fact, my father and his family did have that history, that would explain my attraction to work with individuals with alcohol use issues. The, uh -huh. the other thing is that I worked with a client, and I remember writing a blog about this called The Shadow of My Father. Um, he looked exactly, literally, Patty, like my father would have looked as a younger man. Hmm. And he was dating a woman who looked exactly like my mother. So I remember when my supervisor, Don, suggested that I do couples counseling with them. I, yeah. said, I said, Don, I can't because I'm, they look too much like my, my parents. I said, I feel like I'd be counseling my parents. So he started laughing and he just said, I'll take care of it, which is one of the things I loved about him is that if you were open with your limitations you, and you could be open with your limitations, he would step in and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to keep you out of it. I will take care of this. But he, I remember there was a moment where he was crying his eyes out and crying because his girlfriend, his significant other was going to break up with him. And also there was a lot of shame and guilt over the, the, the behavior that he engaged in that contributed to the relationship problems. And I never had done this with any client since then, but I only did it with him. I took his hands in my face and I just looked at him and I said, it's, I remember saying it's going to be okay. And it was like, I, I've never done that before. But as I did that, I could see the shadow of my father's face in his face. And this is before I began believing in the wonders of a multidimensional universe and spiritual phenomenon, an ordinary phenomenon. But this was another event that happened way before I found out about my father's history that planted that seed for eventually looking at my father's behavior in a new light. Which goes right back to honor your past as your teacher. See, people think that they have to find out all the answers to an experience immediately. I've, I've um, counseled people where I say to them, move forward, get through this challenge. You'll always have the rest of your life to look back on the moments and the experiences and find a perspective that offers you peace from them. Right now, it's going to be too raw. You're not going to be able to, to find the clarity while you're in the middle of this raw pain. Mm. So just put your mind into the steps you need to take for forward movement. Then stop, and you can start to look back. Think about it. All those years, the distance helped you to be able to find that peace much easier than it would have if you started doing it at 14. Yeah, and I think, I think 
the more distance I put between Janine's, you know, physical transition um, and, and just the passage of time, the more I was able to look at things with, with, uh, with a different viewpoint. And that's why I think it's so important for individuals who have gone through tragedy to look at the events that, that led them to that up to the present moment, because, you know, with the passage of time, you're going to look at things, you look at things a lot differently as I did. And, mm -hmm. But when you're, like you said, when you're in the middle of it, when you're right in the beginning of your, your pain after any type of tragedy, you're too busy trying to survive the pain to look at anything beyond that. So mm -hmm. it's just a matter of, you know, surviving the pain and, and sometimes shape-shifting to get around it and to, and to survive. Oh, it. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Shape-shifting. Um, do you want to clarify that for people? I don't know if everybody would know that term. Well, it's, it's, it's shape-shifting for me is kind of like taking whatever form is necessary to get through a particular moment. And I'm looking at this through the, through the, through the, the eyes of tragedy. It's not only about survival, but it's also about learning how to, I think, kind of assimilate or adjust, um, you know, to new surroundings, to new events. And I, and I think shape-shifting is a natural survival skill and something that we do. I know that there were days for me when I had to teach, particularly in the early phase of Janine's transition, where I didn't really have the energy or I was too consumed with with my own pain to think, how am I going to go through a three-hour class? And then suddenly it was like I kind of, like I turned down this, this uh, shape-shifting button in me to say, okay, I'm just going to shape-shift my pain to, to basically channel that into putting as much energy as I can into my teaching so that I could make a difference. So that's for me what shape-shifting was about. It was like having certain things that were going out with me take a different form to get through that particular moment and eventually learn to thrive in those moments. That's right. It's perfect. way, And that's, um, a you spoke about it from a very much a psychological standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then I talk about it through the, the form of a spiritual standpoint. Um, Ted Andrews, in his book, Animal Speak, has a whole section, okay, about um, shape-shifting, about how you can visualize yourself and, and turn yourself into the, um, in your mind's eye, into the form of an animal. Yeah. And as you're doing that, you're taking on the characteristics of that animal. And that's a spiritual practice. But what it does is it reminds people the lesson of using your potential mm -hmm. to change your life, to change how you respond to certain dynamics. And sometimes you have to totally walk away. I had to do that in my own life. The, the dynamics of my birth family were, it, it was dysfunctional and it was uncomfortable for me. There was no fight. There was no problem. I just stepped away. And then years later, the time came and I felt drawn and the experience and the time period of my life and the place that I was at, I stepped back into my mother's life. Mm -hmm. And in stepping back in, I'm different because all those years I looked to my birth family for what I learned about myself, how I responded to different dramatic situations, 
and how I responded in the relationships with each of my siblings who were also trying to figure out how they were going to respond to the dramatic experiences of our birth family. And I say this goes on in every household. David, even in yours, with what you went through, you were brought up by three women, right? Mm -hmm. Explain that. I don't know how many of um, your listeners would realize what a unique childhood you had. Well, yeah, after my father left, um, <laughs> I was I was raised primarily by my mother, but also my maternal grandmother, Bridget, and my maternal Aunt Rose. It took a village literally to raise me because my mother was a single parent. She would work. I would, you know, my grandmother and my aunt would, would babysit until my mother got home. And I remember one of the, the really great memories I have from childhood is I would come home from school every day. And I went to a Catholic school, one-room schoolhouse in Utica, New York, uh, called St. Mary's School. I'd come home after school. My grandmother had this pot belly stove where she, and I, I'm, half, I'm half Lebanese and I'm half Welsh, where she would make fresh pita bread. I would have a hot loaf of pita bread with, with butter and milk every day and sit and talk to my grandmother. And a lot of times she would tell me stories about her beloved Lebanon. And that's how I learned a lot about my mother's family history was through the, through the, through the, the, the conversations I had with the, the elder matriarch of the family, like, you know, my maternal grandmother. And she bestowed upon me some rich, rich lessons, lessons and traditions. But the pita bread with butter and milk was always a, always a memory for me. And that was kind of a form of stability for me during times that were were kind of uncertain for both me and my mother. So, um, and in, in this incarnation of myself, I have more female friends than I do male friends. <laughs> and th thankfully my wife is okay with that. You know, <laughs> she's like, go ahead. You can have them. <laughs> she is. She has, she has said that on more than one occasion. Pat. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she's... And, and what's wonderful. And most of um, your listeners might not realize that, um, his wife, Sherry and I are as close as can be. Um, she's, she's a sister. She's a sister. Um, I have my soul sisters and she is definitely a sister. And it's so funny because for the first, like, I don't know how many years, five to eight years, um, she would work evenings. Mm -hmm. And those were definitely the nights that Dave and I would get on the phone with our marathon conversations because she would be busy. My husband was out um, in one pool league or another. If the, the two nights lined up that his wife was working the night shift um, as a nurse and Marco had pool on that night, David and I would get on the phone and we would just like chat away, <laughs> talking him, you know, uh, seeing who was going to show up in me or um, just le let the conversations go. And David and I would just talk about life and, oh, I was studying this today. and Oh, I read this. And David would talk about things that happened when he was working and just that whole transition. So, and it, it's so funny here, 13 years later, here we are sharing those crazy conversations on a podcast. <laughs> who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who would have thought that when we first met, we'd both be where we are today and doing what we're doing today? I certainly didn't think I would be, but you saw it all along. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you saw it all along and I and I began to realize that yeah, yep, this is right now, this is my destiny. And my destiny continues to evolve. And one of the mm -hmm. things I've learned from you is 
just allow the universe to unfold whatever path they believe is going to be um, crucial to, to the next step in my development. But here's the key, and I would say this to all of our listeners, just because the universe opens up a path doesn't mean you have to take it. You still have free will to not take it. But I've learned at this point in time that the universe then has a better plan and knows more about my own destiny than I do. So I just walk with that that uh, just unquestioning faith, and I just walk ahead and just uh, see what uh, what lies ahead. So, Well, you work with the universe and you co-create. Dave, you've had to make decisions along the way that um, opportunities were placed in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you would sit and we would discuss it. Use critical thinking. Yeah. When you're at a turning point in your life, if staying where you are truly does not feed your soul, then that's the answer. And, and many, in, many a marathon conversations was about you discussing certain things that didn't feed your soul. Yeah, it took me a couple of years to walk away from from one activity organization that was no longer feeding my soul. And it was a tough decision because before it had fed my soul. But mm-hmm. in the next step for my development, that was an experience that I was no longer willing to have. And And also, as I've gotten older, I've learned to more quickly, I think, walk away from organizations, from people, from groups who don't value me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm doing that more quickly and more quickly, but it 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 was still a process. The first time I did that, it was like letting go of the fear of, of, of moving on to something else. But once I let go of that, move down, other opportunities manifested. And it seems to be that's whenever I walk away from one opportunity that no longer does it for me or no longer is aligned with my values, something else that, that does align with my, my current values seems to open up almost immediately. So, um, you know, for everybody out there, if you walk away from anything that no longer serves you, Walk away from people that no longer value you. Life on this on this planet is too short for us to do otherwise. Yeah, but it can be done in a peaceful way. Sometimes you just step back mm-hmm. because you can always step back in. I did that with my own mother. That was, interestingly enough, seven years later. I had not had a conversation with her for seven years was shortly after my father had passed and a lot of things were coming up and I, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Something in me snapped and said, I, I, I can't, I can't keep playing in this drama. And it, I just walked away. And seven years later, the opportunity came at an uncle's funeral. I invited her to come with me to the burial and unbeknownst to either one of us, we entered back into a relationship, but this time it was different. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I don't know where it's still going to go because it's still evolving. But I also know that when her transition comes, when that time comes, I will be okay and so will she because I know that our relationship will continue on and there'll be more clarity and it will be based in love because of the experiences we shared, both the good and the bad. 
And that can go for anybody that has a disruptive or dysfunctional relationship with people. When you see them pass, it, you, you don't have to be angry for what was. You find peace with it. And you meet them and say, wow, I learned a lot in the turmoil, in the, the experiences that were so challenging. Hey, you know, we were talking about we can choose the experiences that we, you know, we, we choose to be a part of. And those experiences that we choose not to be a part of reminds me of armadillo medicine, which is about setting boundaries. And you remember in the Sam's book, there was an exercise where you can draw a circle on a piece of paper. And yes. outside the circle, these are the experiences that you choose not to, to have a part of your inner circle. And in the inner circle are those experiences, people, places, and things that you wish to be a part of that circle. But it's fluid. Those those experiences can some that are in the circle and go outside the circle and vice versa, depending on what's going on in our lives. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And with that, we're just about into uh, an hour, aren't we? Yeah, well, we're about close to 50 minutes, so I think we're probably close to our time to wrap up. But um, what are anything you want to say in concluding words, final words for to, for this chapter of our our conversation? Well, um, the one thing that I'm staring at as I sit here, those two um, sayings that are on my wall, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And know that what you do in the moment of your greatest trial can be your greatest triumph. Yeah, those are those are two, I think, profound wisdoms that I think we could all learn to live by, Pat. And wow, this was fun. <laughs> we didn't know how it was going to turn out just having one of our marathon conversations hey. that started back in 2010 and 2011. Yeah. And it's 13 years later and we have another one in the books. Well, and the other thing is Pat always knows I was a man with a plan. I had a plan for everything. And when I first <laughs> met her, she goes, look. You know, throw the plan out the window. That was basically the message. I said, yeah, I'm willing to go with the flow. And boy, have I learned to now do that in so many areas of my life, which is has is, is been a testament to, I got Pat's influence and her friendship <laughs> and just um, me learn. I'm proud to introduce you to this wild and wacky world. Oh, yeah. And it's it gets it gets uh, wilder every minute because it and, it, and it, that's the fun part of it is that it continues to evolve and. The adventure goes in places that I could never even envision. But, Pat, with that, geez, thanks so much. It was fun. It was fun, fun, fun. We got to do this again real soon. It sure was. I'm smiling from ear to ear. It's it's going back down memory lane. But at the same time, it was fun just rehashing and gaining new lessons. You got it. And I'm sure we will be talking again real soon. But with that, that's another wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. With that, this is Dave Roberts and Patty Farino signing off, wishing you peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. And please remember to share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both.